0: Welcome to another episode of the One Haas Podcast. I'm your host Sean Lee, and I'm joined by my co-host Ellen Chan.
1: Today we are joined by our guest Anna. Anna is a head of design research at a stealth startup within X, the Moonshot Factory. She has also founded and worked with early stage startups, consulted Fortune 500 companies, and worked with design agency environments. Definitely a very broad range of experience. Anna, how are you doing today?
2: I'm doing well, just surviving the quarantine, you know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We definitely have a question for that later. Before we get there, can you just take us back in time before you came to Haas? I'm sure our listeners are curious to hear, and I'm curious to hear as a Haasi myself, what did you do before Haas?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I did my undergrad at McGill in Montreal, studied finance, (laughs) thought I wanted to be an investment banker became an investment banker, and then very quickly decided I did not want to be an investment banker. <laughs> <laughs> so I went into strategy consulting and did that for about three and a half or four years before coming to Haas. So I worked mm-hmm. on all kinds of different things from you know, operations improvement and process improvement to cost reductions to, I think my first assignment was working at an iron ore mine by the Arctic Circle. So <laughs> wow. a wide range of projects.
0: What's brought you to Haas then?
2: Yeah, so I actually didn't think I wanted to do an MBA, quite frankly. I took the GMAT after I graduated from undergrad, just in case, and then kind of spent a really long time thinking about whether I actually wanted to do anything or not with that GMAT. And when I applied to Haas, I actually didn't apply to any other schools because I wasn't sure that I wanted to do an MBA in my kind of all the research that i had done i just became very intrigued with Haas itself it's going to sound kind of cheesy but you know the defining principles i was like wow this actually resonates you know i did a lot of brand consulting after college and i was like wow this actually seems like it's not entirely made up like you know and so i was intrigued by that i had a lot of the hard business skills i thought but i didn't think i had necessarily a lot of the soft skills so some of the like leadership communication Some of the softer curriculum really appealed to me, negotiations, kind of that kind of thing. So Mm -hmm. when I came to Haas, I actually tested out of a lot of the kind of prerequisite and spent most of my time taking all kinds of electives. And actually, kind of the one thing that really pushed me over the edge of deciding to do my MBA is I, towards the tail end of my consulting days, I uh, did a project in what at the time was called innovation strategy for a big beer company. And that was sort of like my first exposure to, design thinking or user-centered design, and I was super fascinated. It was just like an entirely different way to problem solve that I found to be incredibly impactful and interesting and creative and really wanted to learn more about it and didn't necessarily want to do kind of a master's in design. But at the time, Haas was one of the few MBA programs that had the now very contentious or somewhat contentious, I guess, PFPS course, which was sort of like the thing that finally Attractive, I was like, okay, I'm gonna apply and see what this is all about, and then yeah, the rest is history, I guess.
0: (laughs) You know, you brought up defining leadership principles. I mean, we have to ask you on this podcast, I know you embody all four of them, but is there (laughs) one of them that resonates the most with you?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think challenge the status quo, probably. I think in my role now, and I'm sure we'll get to it later, but kind of as the voice of the customer or like the, the one person that at the end of the day is in charge of owning the user research. A lot of the time, that really means coming to the team and sharing with them some insights that totally upend what we were doing and kind of the direction that we were taking the product in. For better or for worse, right? Like I like to think that it's usually for better. But I think inherently, I think day to day, challenge the status quo is just something that I have to live and breathe. And apart from core
1: classes that help with design research, was there something else, extracurricular activities that you did at Haas that helped with some of your development in the
2: area? Yeah, for sure. So I was on the leadership team of Haas ID, so the Innovation and Design Club which was really awesome. It kind of helped me get a lot of the internships that I did while I was at Haas, at IDEO, at Fidelity Labs. So that was really instrumental. I gsi a number of different classes in sort of the design innovation space, both at Haas at the undergrad level with Clark Kellogg and then also at the Jacobs Institute. So that was really informative. And then I also did a lot of stuff that didn't necessarily have to do with design because I feel like part of your kind of job as an MBA student is to sort of go outside of what you think you want to do, right? Because... When else are you going to have the time to do that realistically? And so I, along with a few of my classmates, founded a startup while I was at Haas called Home Slice, uh, which we can talk about later if you guys are curious. But I spent a lot of time doing that. So both kind of in class with things like Lean Launchpad and then also obviously a lot of time outside of class actually trying to build it out and launch it.
0: Well, we're curious now. What is Home Supplies?
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's Home Slice.
0: Oh, Home Slice. Okay.
2: It was a startup basically geared at making it easy to buy real estate in groups. So fractional home ownership. Wow. You know, so essentially, if the three of us tomorrow wanted to pick up and buy a home in Tahoe as an investment property or a second home, or even just an apartment in San Francisco to live in as roommates, right now, there's a lot of kind of legal, financial, all kinds of different barriers where it's not impossible, but it's hard enough that almost nobody really does it so we were really trying to kind of like standardize and streamline that process and remove those barriers to make it kind of an affordable mainstream option
1: what inspired you and your fellow mba students to start this
2: yeah so initially it was an idea that we pitched i don't know if you guys took the entrepreneurship class that toby stewart and rob chandra who unfortunately recently passed away they were amazing and the class was amazing and you know that was definitely a highlight for me but That was kind of the idea that we pitched at the end of the semester. And Rob, I remember at the time was like, honestly, this is one of the better ideas I've heard in a long time, like both inside the classroom and outside the classroom, which, I mean, (laughs) we had so much respect and admiration for him that we were like, oh, my God, this is, you know, maybe we should actually consider doing this. (laughs) (laughs) And so it kind of like snowballed from there and we brought some more people on board and, you know, (laughs) yep,
0: That's awesome. So now let's transition into what you're doing Currently, can you share with us a little bit about, you know, what uh, X is and what is your role there?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I think, Ellen, when you introduced me, you said the Moonshot Factory, right? So that is exactly what it is. It is Alphabet's, I guess, for lack of a better word, R&D lab, right? Mm -hmm. So the kind of idea is that it's sort of a factory or a really exploratory kind of lab where... All kinds of different projects get explored, you know, from healthcare to education to, you know, you name it, there's probably a project within those four walls. And the idea is that, you know, explore anything, kill things quickly. And if a couple of those ideas turn to fruition, you know, things like Waymo, things like Loon, and the hope is that eventually some of those companies will become the next Google, right? So it's kind of structured intentionally in a way that these are very adjacent spaces that have nothing to do with Google's core business
0: how do you join x you know you you mentioned before the call that a lot of these companies are in stealth mode right Mm -hmm. how do you even go about joining these stealth companies Do you join google as a whole and then get slotted into a company
2: there's no like singular way, I guess, to join. I can tell you how I joined and then I can kind of elaborate
0: oh, perfect. other
2: things that I've seen. <laughs> <laughs> so I joined as part of a central team. So within X, you know, there's a lot of project teams or like mm-hmm. mini startups, essentially, at all phases, you know, from really, really early stage ideas to sort of much more mature companies that have large teams behind them. But aside from that, there's also some central teams, you know, like strategy, like design, that essentially you can almost think of them as like mini internal consulting teams that partner with all of the different projects within the lab or the factory to kind of help them do what they're doing better, faster. And so I joined the design team, which was one of those central teams. And so the first year that I was at X, I worked across, you know, probably like eight or so different projects, helping the Mansur. I was still a design researcher, so helping the Mansur a lot of those user-centric kind of human questions that they maybe didn't necessarily have expertise on the team to answer. So things like, you know, what are the ethical implications that we might be overlooking? You know, yes, we can build this technology, but should we build it? Who is this for? You know, is it for everyone? (laughs) Which is a common answer you hear, not just the X but more broadly, I think. But at the end of the day, like who is it really for and what need are we solving and what is the most important need to focus on first? And how do we link that to the product strategy? from MVP to sort of, you know, some of the later releases. So that was how I joined X. And then I transitioned over to actually join one of those teams that I had been consulting. And so, yeah, I've been there ever since.
0: Do you mind me asking, and I don't know if you're allowed to disclose this, but do the ideas come out of Google internally or do people with ideas bring them to Google and then, you know, go under this moonshot factory?
2: I would say I don't want to say all because there's always exceptions and there are actually teams specifically kind of scouting outside but I would say most of the ideas do come internally and so whether that's like a resident who's you know spending a couple months at X and has an idea from their you know dissertation or PhD that they want to pursue maybe it's someone who just works at X and has had an idea you know there's People spend a really long time, actually, I mean, a lot of time at X thinking about, you know, what are the best ways to kind of generate these ideas, to vet those ideas quickly, right? And so the intent is to go kind of as broad as possible and to enable and encourage ideas to come from everywhere. But I would say most of the time, it's largely kind of internal.
1: I'm assuming there are a lot of ideas and a lot of, you know, different areas people want to pursue. Just want to see like who decides whether to pursue this area or not.
2: Gotcha. Like kind of how do people evaluate those ideas and and decide what goes forward and what gets killed? Got it. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's a good question. I mean, it depends. (laughs) It depends, but I mean, there is a leadership team at X and they make some of those decisions. I would say, The way that X is structured is to sort of discourage hierarchy, I would say, like in a very intentional way. And so most of the time, the leadership team kind of enables either the single person who's working on an idea or the team that they're a part of. By the time the leadership team is making that decision, like the decision has kind of already been made by the team most of the time, you know, at least from what I've seen. and. It's been actually kind of interesting. So my the central team that I was a part of, one of the projects that we were tasked with right before I switched over to join the startup that I'm now a part of was to think about what at the earliest stage, like in the early pipeline, what is the right process from a you know a strategy standpoint? Like, what are the questions we should be asking? How do we ask them? How do we support people, right? And so it's, it's actually kind of, yeah, it's been interesting thinking about what the right way is. And I don't think there really is a right way, which I think Astro, Teller who I don't know if you guys know or not, he's kind of like the head of X or one of the heads of X, at least. He often says that sort of X is in itself kind of a moonshot in a way, right? This idea Mm -hmm. of a factory that in a repeatable process generates and spits out moonshots. Like Mm -hmm. there is no playbook for how to do that. (laughs) And so in the spirit of that, they're always experimenting or we're always experimenting, I guess, with ways of, you know, what is the right way? Yeah.
0: I mean in regards to questions on on that topic I'm curious how do you go about doing research you know as a part of a stealth
2: company It's a, it's a great question <laughs> It is a great question and it you have to get really creative I would say Yeah you have to get I <laughs> it's I don't know how much I can really disclose I can, I guess I can't disclose any of the specifics but in a I guess blanket statement, you need to partner with outside recruiting agencies to do a lot of the recruiting of users for you. And in a really ethical way, do double blind studies, basically, where users sign up, they know it's a tech company, they know that they're going to be engaging with prototypes and providing feedback or, you know, having someone follow them around and ask questions, but sort of not necessarily know whether it's, you know, Google or Amazon or Facebook or whatever. But it's not easy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I can't imagine. All right. So, you know, you've been out of school a couple of years now. We'll we'll still call you a French grad. Uh, (laughs) 2017 wasn't that far away. (laughs) But, you know, what's your experience been like as an alumni? You know, how do you connect uh, with other alumni and the school?
2: Yeah, that's a really good question. So, I mean, first of all, I think one of the, I think, great things about doing an MBA at Haas, is that it's one of the few schools where people tend to stick around after graduation, at least for a couple of years, when they realize that the Bay Area is still very unaffordable. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think we've been lucky that you know most of our class is still around. And so from like a social standpoint, but also from a career standpoint, right? When we need advice, we have career circles still like once a month or so where we get together and we talk about what's working, what's not working at people's jobs and what kind of challenges we're facing and people give advice and share perspectives and stories. And that's valuable from a career standpoint, but it's also just really nice socially, right? To kind of keep that alive. So that's kind of like one thing that we do. I also have gone back a bunch to Haas to speak at different speaker series and panels you know, helping with interviews for recruiting new students and that kind of thing. So, and I think generally just, I don't think I realized when I was a student and I was reaching out to people on LinkedIn or via email, how, (laughs) quite how many requests those people were getting. And, you know, I always appreciated them responding, but now that I know the volume of, of requests, I think I, I'm even more appreciative of all those times that they responded. So I also try to do the same, you know, and I think when I was at my previous job, I was getting some. Now that I'm at X, I'm getting a many requests almost every day from either newly admitted students or you know, current hosts. and so I, I try to do my best to kind of respond and you know provide whatever perspective I have for what that's worth.
0: <laughs> Going beyond yourself. I mean that's yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's, it's it's what you're saying is very true, and that's something that we find just across across the board from prospective students, right, coming into mm-hmm. alumni week. We keep hearing this theme that, you know, Haas students are just willing to give our time to other people and go beyond ourselves. So we're glad you're still holding that strong. (laughs) Do you have any advice for new graduates, you know, that are Hmm. going to come out into this tumultuous time?
2: (laughs) Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, advice, I don't know. I think something that I looking back, I'm really grateful for is, you know, going into the sort of design strategy, design research space is not, I would say, and correct me if you think differently, but it's not really a traditional MBA career path, right? And I think over the past couple of years, Haas has actually, you know, they've built out their network quite a bit. I think now there's a bunch of people at Frog and IDEO and a lot of those places. But, you know, when we were in 2017, I think like Sandeep at IDEO was one of the few people who had graduated from Haas and worked in the space and right. so you know when there was no like standard recruiting pathway where people came on campus and kind of handed you a job offer <laughs> in in a yes. sense um, and so you really had to go out there and find the firms that you were interested in and really kind of do that due diligence and and do that work and i think at times it was very tempting to not do that and somehow i still you know managed to get a job in the space even though people had, had kind of really, really like setting expectations of like don't worry, it might not happen. That's fine. You could do product management or something else, you know, and there's nothing wrong with product management by any means. But I think looking back, I'm just really thankful that I kind of stayed with it and was kind of, yeah, I guess stayed true to what I was really interested in and didn't take kind of the first couple of job offers that came my way. So yeah, for what that's worth, I think that's probably the piece of advice I would give. But again, you know, right now, given everything that's happening, it's, you know, who knows if that's good advice or not. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> no, I think that's still solid advice. It's it's just having that tenacity to really um, reach out right to your network. I mean, that's why you're at mm-hmm. Haas. That's why you're paying for this MBA is a network. If you're mm-hmm. not leveraging that resource, it's really kind of the onus is on you. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. That's, I think it's more, more important now uh, than ever.
2: That's true. Yeah, yeah I yeah. think I agree with
1: that. <laughs> and in the long term, it'll certainly work out. Having yes. Mindset.
2: Mm-hmm. Yes, it's.
0: Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, that wraps up our interview. But before we end, Ellen developed this really fun <laughs> fire round. And we just fire off a, questions. A fun questions. fire round of questions.
1: Yeah. Perfect. Then- <laughs> <laughs> All right. Are you ready? Yes. Awesome. So first question is a seasonal question. What are you doing to keep yourself sane during this quarantine?
2: Mm. So a lot of, you know, <laughs> yoga, Mm -hmm. dance classes pilates whatever over zoom with friends watching videos so a lot of that and then also some kind of house projects that i had never had the time to get to before so right now (laughs) i'm painting the backsplash in the kitchen
1: (laughs) awesome i actually have my yoga mat right next to me (laughs) Mm -hmm. i did (laughs) just some of that cool and the second question i have is what content are you consuming right now? It could be a book, TV shows, movies, anything.
2: Yeah, so books, I'm reading user-friendly. And I'm also reading Ali Wong's Dear Girls. It's just a fun read.
1: <laughs> yeah. I recently saw her in SF.
2: Oh, really? Doing stand-up? How was it?
1: It was It was good. I really like her. So let me know how the
2: book is. Yeah, it's great. It's. Uh, I think the way she pitches it is she's writing kind of to her daughters. So, yeah, it's been fun. Awesome. Cool.
0: And then the last two are, what is your best productivity hack?
2: Mm -hmm. I think honestly, something that's really worked well for me is whenever something is daunting or I want to procrastinate on it, I force myself to write the first draft. Mm. And I kind of tell myself that this is just the first draft. You know, it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be good, but just like get it done quickly. And then you can build on that. So good procrastination avoidance.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And lastly, what's your favorite thing about Berkeley Haas? Uh, It could be anything.
2: So I think some of my favorite memories, I mean, I guess like a more serious or like career related one, when we were working on Home Slice, and it was still kind of early days, we were part of this incubator um, called The House. And Mm -hmm. we were kind of part of a cohort with a bunch of startups who, you know, were pretty far along and like had a product that they were already shipping and and so we were part of the same demo day as them. And we were still really early. You know, we didn't have a platform. We didn't have any engineers. We were still kind of like trying to get to product market fit. And so we had our pitch day, which we were super nervous about. And we're like, there's no way. And we ended up winning first place and, you know, getting some money and some other stuff that came along with that. And that was just like such a, an amazing moment that I'll never forget, like celebrating with the other kind of co-founders and being like, oh my God, this is actually real. Like this could be a real thing which it totally was not in the end, (laughs) but for a while it was, and so that was amazing. And then I think, yeah, I think just from a social standpoint, a lot of the treks and the trips that we took were just really unforgettable and memorable, and I still think back to them all the time, You know, when we were in India with some of the classmates that were from there who put together this amazing trip for us when we were in Havana, just like so many different trips and memories that are just very, very memorable. Sounds like an MBA.
1: Yeah, sounds like an MBA. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Now I kind of want to do my MBA. (laughs) Well, thank you, Anna. And thank you for your time.
0: Great having you here.
1: Thank you, guys.
0: Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the One Haas here at Haas Podcast. If you enjoyed our show today, please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast player and give us a rating or review. You can also check out more of our content on our website at onehaas.org where you can also subscribe to our monthly newsletter. Until next time, go BAMs!